In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode 17. Joining me today is my former co-host, Patrick. How are you doing today, Patrick? Hey, yo, Mark. Doing great. Yeah, it's um, it's been a long day for me. I actually came home this morning from Calgary, <laughs> and it was uh, it was 21 degrees. Not not my ideal temperature. 20 degrees in Calgary, not not in Houston. Yeah, in Calgary. <laughs> um, but we're back in Houston, and we're actually sitting in uh, Teos Research and Engineering's office. And we got a couple of guests. We have a uh, Robert and Sebastian with us. How y'all doing, gentlemen? Hi, thank you. Doing great. Yeah, um, man, what a cool facility we have. We got a chance to walk around. You got a nice high low bay area out there. Great offices. Tell me a little bit, what, do you, what does uh, Tejas actually do? Uh, Tejas is an uh, engineering firm. We do uh, new product development. It's all about uh, providing new technologies and partnerships with uh, oil field industry companies. Uh, we have a, an engineering side and a testing side and uh, providing third-party service in that regard. Yeah, and so y'all do a lot of testing and engineering around what? Oil field equipment. Yeah, yeah so one of the things I think is really cool is um, y'all do a lot of stuff around pressure testing, don't y'all? Mm-hmm. So explain, because our audience may not know what pressure testing is. What is pressure testing? We take customer products and subject them to pressure, either liquid or gas pressure, subject them to extreme pressures that, and temperatures, sorry, that they may see inside the field to validate whether or not they're going to work as intended. What kind of ranges are we talking about? What kind of pressures and temperatures do you all test to? What, I guess what's your max that you test to? 80,000 PSI. Uh, for hydraulic and 40,000 PSI for gas. Those are some massive Those pressures. Those are some big numbers. <laughs> yeah. and, and so the reason you do this for your clients is why? Why do they, want, why do they pay you all to do this? Well, there's really two reasons. One is product validation. You know, we are always pushing the boundaries of what we have engineered to, to get at new reserves or to try to solve problems in the field. But that means technology has to be developed, and then that technology has to be verified. And that's very hard to do in a, in a production environment where you have a lot of money on the, on the line. Uh, we provide a, a place for people to take those products and test them in a place that we have control and doesn't cost our customer a lot of money. Also, sometimes research. There's questions in design and technology that you need answers for. And so you've got simulations and opinions and calculations, but it's a lot easier to go do it and see what the results are and see if they dovetail with your your expectations. Sometimes they don't. So do you, do you all do much recertification, repair and recertification, or is this new equipment getting pressure tested? For new first? equipment, okay. yeah. So as, as Sebastian was mentioning, you know, one of the things is uh, a test is worth a thousand expert opinions. And so that's kind of one of the things that we always kind of joke around about. So, so really what you're doing is all the gas companies are bringing their products to you, wanting, that, wanting you to validate their engineering because they're worried about production, but it's also, it's a bigger thing, right? It's about safety. So nobody wants, nobody wants anybody to get hurt out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So without really um, running through a, a test protocol or program in that regard and uh, understanding the true limits of the equipment, 
then uh, you really don't have anything to, to bank on, essentially. You know, you, you need to verify the equipment. You need to validate the calculations. You need to understand the performance limits of, of the equipment that has been designed. And, you know, the, the one thing, like, just kind of tapping into what Sebastian said, the one thing that you don't want to do is just end up in the field with a first run and have failures or problems in the field that, uh, that could have been vetted out through a testing program. What kind of standards do y'all, is it, is it internal company standards, they come and they bring you, this is what you want you to test to, or these industry and, and government regulations that you're all testing to? Correct. It's a combination. So um, we have uh, API is a big player, of course, and there's a lot of uh, product specs. And uh, we have clients that, that show up with their new product developments that have been designed in accordance with an API specification. Uh, there are other government regulations out there. Uh, there are industry codes. ASME Boiler Pressure Vessel Code is one of them that provides a lot of analysis guidance on the design side. And then so the testing side, we, you know, we're really interested in understanding uh, whether the equipment then can perform as uh, advertised, so to speak, uh, from the design perspective. Where are you all typically brought into the process? Is it a, hey, we've got this, now let's go test it, let's, let's call Tejas? Or do you get brought in earlier in the process to help design for safety and functionality? Both, really. It, it really stems from how we operate with our customers. We're really a partner to them. So when we do validation testing, many times our customers have those abilities in-house, but they may be missing a, a capacity that we have, or they're just too busy to get to it themselves, and so we can provide those sorts of supports. So in those cases, we're definitely at the end of the process helping do validation. But sometimes they come in at the front end and they'll talk with engineers here at Tejas and we'll talk through those issues with them. So I, I may be wrong about this. We, we just came back from lunch and we didn't talk about this all. Um, but y'all are in that HPHT world, aren't y'all? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's new and exciting. That's um, high pressure, high temperature, if, if anybody doesn't know what that means. And that's bleeding edge oil filled technology. That's dealing with pressures and temperatures that we've never had to deal with before. And you have to build equipment that has to hold up under that torturous environment. And so y'all are out there making sure that the, the companies that are in that world, that HPHT world, you're validating that their equipment will hold up and, and actually be able to, to maintain uh, production. Correct. Absolutely. Our, yeah. Our facility is really. Um, uh, built around that philosophy and that understanding of, you know, we need uh, a test facility, a third-party test facility that can provide those types of services to the industry. You know, a lot of companies have their own internal labs, of course, and unfortunately, sometimes those labs get backed up and, and you know, they have R&D projects that they need to have uh, vetted out or tested and qualified, and Tejas provides those types of services. On the flip side of that, on the engineering side, we also provide uh, engineering HPHT fit for service design criteria and analysis capabilities. So I mentioned the boiler pressure vessel code. Um, a lot of the standards across the industry, uh, oil field industry, API, are rooted in uh, this boiler pressure vessel code. And it's primarily the taking what is safe design for a boiler or a pressure vessel that would be found in the public domain, like on uh, in a building, for example. So those have people walking around them all the time. And if you don't have safe design analysis techniques that ensure that that equipment isn't going to let go in this public environment, uh, if you don't have that, then there's a lot of risk. And so the oil industry is now coming around to understanding that, you know, we need some additional analysis techniques as, as pressures get higher, temperatures get higher, 
we really need to put some more science into the design of this equipment. And so that's what uh, the boiler pressure vessel code is providing to API and a lot of these product standards. We're beginning to now really apply these techniques, and it provides safer equipment at the end of the day. Yeah, I, well, I'll tell you one thing I just know from experience. There are not a lot of testing facilities out there that, that, that go to the extremes of HPHT. And so companies that may want to enter that world, their existing testing facilities may not be up to it, which means that you know, y'all are playing a vital role out there. You're providing stuff that just not a lot of other companies can provide. Well, I like to say we're the, uh, we're the, the smallest big company you, you'll ever work for, you know, because a lot of big, large organizations have these massive quality and, and safety programs and, you know, uh, huge engineering departments that can manage all of these, uh, these projects, right? So we have all of that in, in this small company. That's right. We, we have all of the safety and quality components that are necessary to operate and support major oil companies with our testing or our engineering. And that, that's a big barrier to overcome. Those two items, safety and quality, are really interrelated. And if you don't have a program that fully covers both aspects of that, you're, you're just not going to be able to produce products for the field that are fit for service. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, and in this low crude price environment, turnaround on everything, including things like testing, is super vital, right? Because it, it's a cost involved. So I would suspect, maybe I'm wrong, that because y'all are smaller and but so high tech, your turnaround time is probably shorter than even the company's own internal times. Many times we are, and that's that's part of the value that we're bringing in. So um, we actually, at lunch, uh, Robert, we're talking a bit about safety, and you actually brought up just a wonderful point about bringing somebody new on board. Let's talk through that a little bit. Yeah, so, uh, you know, in the oil field in particular, and it really applies in a, in a lot of different industries as well, you know, for people who are coming into a new environment, um, you, you need to be aware of the, the type of work, the nature of work that the, these uh, companies are doing. If you're a new employee, at Tejas, uh, we have an onboarding process where we kind of roll through what our general safety and quality confidentiality requirements are. But fundamentally, it's all about beginning to build the culture of safety with that employee as soon as they come in. They need to be aware that uh, you know safety is not just something that we talk about or a statement that we post on you know in, in the building somewhere. It's really a culture, and so uh, being able to call stop for something if you have that gut feel like something's just not right or it doesn't seem to be uh, that safe then uh, that's what we're all about so I, we, we bring people in we say look it's okay to call stop if you feel uncomfortable even as a observer in something to call a halt and slow something down before something happens let's talk about it how do these new guys to the industry or you know new to your facilities how do they accept accept that do they are they on, on board with yeah i'll stop any job are they kind of taken aback by the level of say or level of emphasis you put on safety no they're not taken back at all because we always tell them the safety is for you you know safety is everyone's responsibility but it's there to protect our most important asset, our people. And sometimes those people are not just our employees, but the people around us. You know, in the, in the case of product development, it's about putting products into the field that are safe for people to operate and use and not get injured using. And in our operations here at our facility, it's about going home at the end of the day, whole and healthy every day. We work in a very dangerous environment at 40,000 PSI at 1,000 degrees or 800 degrees F. 
those are extreme conditions that the human body is not ready to accept. And well, so, even, even a big enough <laughs> tank at 45 PSI, that's going to that's right. that's yeah. put a yeah, hole yeah, in so, something. Sebastian, let me stop right here in case our audience have no idea what we're talking about. So when you take a closed vessel and you test it and you pressurize it, and you pressurize it, say, in this case, 80,000 PSI hydraulic, that is a waiting bomb. Yeah. Right? If something fails, that is a catastrophic failure that will take out the building. So, you know, making sure that you drive safety is important. But I just want to get our audience a feel. For, we're not talking about paper cuts here. We're, we're talking about could be catastrophic failures because of the extreme conditions y'all are testing to. Yeah, we had uh, we had actually run some calculations. Our, our bunkers were... were um, Let me stop you right there. Just okay. the fact that you used the word bunker should let you know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep exactly. Going. Yeah, our bunkers, they, um, they were professionally engineered by a firm. And uh, we did some calculations to kind of understand you know, you're talking about the containment of pressure. They're designed to withstand a 30,000 psi gas volume uh, with a nine and five eighths piece of casing, uh, 32 feet long. So it's a lot of volume, a lot of pressure. And if that thing were to let go, the, the bunkers are designed to uh, contain that type of blast. Now there'd be a huge concussion wave, of course, coming out from that, but the bunkers are designed to dissipate that concussion wave as much as possible. But with that being said, we were like, okay, so what does that really mean in terms of um, something we can kind of feel a little more tangible, you know? That turns out it's, it's equivalent to something like, I think we calculated 96 sticks of dynamite going off, you know, yeah. at the same time, or 72. I mean, I have to look at the number. It was a, it was a, a big, a big <laughs> number of, you know, sticks of dynamite yeah. we're talking about. So it's, it can be catastrophic, you know, and, and very dangerous. Yeah. And remember the, they're testing this equipment to go in the field, which means in the field, they will be operating at these same conditions. So, so this is, this could, has the potential to be just, you know, horrible. So with Tejas coming in, making sure everybody's safe, it's a much bigger ring of influence than just your employees. But anyway, we got kind of sidetracked there because I wanted our audience to understand. Let's get back to the whole culture and, and bringing your new people on board. Sure. I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you know, we look at safety at, at three different levels. We, you know, we have engineering controls, which are like our bunkers and pieces of equipment that are specifically mm -hmm. designed to mitigate safety issues. We have process and procedures, which are the rules that we put forth to help protect our people. And then culture, which is what we started with, mm -hmm. which is really a very important one. Is It's the most important. Yeah, absolutely. And once you help people understand why safety is important and how it affects them, they're ready to adopt and to, and to, and to really absorb process and procedure and make an effort to understand what engineering controls are put into place. So we talk about these pretty awesome you know, bunker containment values, but the realities are is that we're, we're using process and procedure to minimize those types of events and, and minimize the stored energy potential in testing. Our people are very aware of what it means to be safe and what it takes to be safe, and they fully adopt and accept why we do the things we do. And as an outsider, you may come in and look at what we do and think to yourself, that's a little extreme, that, that, that's too far, you know, but that's not for us. The first thing I noticed when I walked into your shop is, one, how clean and organized it is, which tells me you have a good culture, so you people care about their workspace, but you also have good processes, so they know how to treat their area. So you know, I, I can tell right off the bat that you're, you're hitting the marks on those two just by the, the cleanliness and organization of the workshop. It's top-notch. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, good housekeeping is part of safety, right? You know, that's why I've seen a number of accidents, uh, in, well, I'd say incidents uh, <laughs> here. And Isn't it funny how this industry does not like the word accident? Yeah. They'll call it anything else but an accident. 
Yeah, everything's so, preventable, Mark. Nothing's an accident. It yeah. is. So, uh, just you know, if a couple guys would have picked some things up after they'd moved uh, some equipment or a pallet or you know a, a pipe wrench is on the floor or something, and you know I've been at various facilities where they they didn't really have a focus on a good housekeeping and just picking up immediately after you're done with something. And I've seen some people trip over things unnecessarily, slip on wet floors as a result of moving equipment in uh, inside after it's been raining, that kind of thing. So. Well, safety is definitely one thing, but it's also more efficient. You're, the company is going to yeah. benefit from the guy reaching to the same spot for the same wrench every time Absolutely. and not having to go search for it. It's yeah, we did. What is it called? A K5? A S? Your 5S? 5S. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> we did a 5S a, a, a couple of years ago, and that was uh, – it was fun, I guess you could say. <laughs> it, it was fun, but uh, – it shows uh, you yeah, what you, a lot of work. You, you learn to live with things, and you right. just don't realize that, oh, yeah, I, I bend over for this tool every time. Why don't I just put it in a rack on, exactly. my, on my workbench so I can reach it easily? It, yeah, and like you said, it, it is a huge time-saving thing. Uh, you know, I've been out there before myself, and, uh, you know, you're wasting time looking for stuff if it's not put back. And so we really uh, – Sebastian, kudos to, to you and your guys and – and uh, making that happen, you know, and, and making that part of our culture. Sorry, if you don't know what 5S is out there, um, I'll put a, a, a little description of it. Read it over. It will clean up your work site just like it's, it's benefited here at, at Tejas. It's an undertaking, but it pays back. It pays back in, in time savings for your people, safety. It helps identify what needs to go where. It's mm-hmm. get rid of old uh, aging equipment, too, and stuff that, you know, if it, this thing's worn out, I mean, why do we still have it? Let's get rid of it and get a new one that works better, you know. Yeah, it's a liability if you have broken stuff. It's a liability to your people's safety. It's a liability to your business. You feel like you have a piece of equipment, but it's really just broken and sitting. You know, we might use it someday. That's not the right attitude to have. Yeah, and I've, I've seen some of these guys, these, these engineers out there on the shop floor. If they get a new piece of equipment, they will keep it polished like, like it's a brand-new Cadillac. <laughs> That's right. <probably. laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, an unexpected benefit of all of this is when you – if I walk in here like I did today and I see – this i see how clean the shop floor is i see the culture and the people if i'm a prospect of yours that's a sales plus right it's like that's the type of company yeah Yeah. that's the type of company (laughs) i want to do business with Mm -hmm. so yes you're driving hsne metrics yes you're worried about production and costs but it also can help your sales if you have that right culture which Mm -hmm. uh, teos obviously has a great uh safety culture built in i appreciate that the nature of what we do is very dangerous so if if a prospector comes in and doesn't see the signs of safety written all over in everything we do and in our and in our DNA, mm-hmm. they're going to assume that we're not up to task to take yeah. on a dangerous project. Mm-hmm. And how are your your clients and your prospects? Are they very safety minded? Are they more so than Tejas? Are they on par? Do you have any that just ah we have to get this tested because API says I have to, so just go and do it, and, and I don't really care what it. Those aren't our customers. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, my our people are are directly handling the equipment, and if they, if our customer is bringing faulty equipment in and wants to test that, and it doesn't meet our standard, then we're not going to accept that. It's just mm. it's part of the culture. Yeah, but that's not that's not typical for us. We're on par with our customers. Safety is a learning process. You know, every year you go forward, you learn new things. You have near misses where someone might leave a tool out and you realize like oh, that tool needs a place it can't just mm-hmm. be on the floor because somebody decided to put it down let's learn from this moment and move forward safer and better and i think mm-hmm. we learn from our customers and sometimes our customers learn from us 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's I, like Mark said, it's a great selling point. It's a great culture to have and working with clients that share that culture. It, it makes everything a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Robert, this is about the point in the show where we do the Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week. We're going to let you do the Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week. What is it? Okay, great. Yeah, it's really uh, one of the things that that comes to my mind is uh, situational awareness. And so we were talking earlier about uh, new hires coming on. And one of the points that I like to make is, you know, in this environment and really in any environment, I mean, you could be putting gas in your car. It's understanding your environment and the, the potential risks that may be present in that environment. I was just speaking to a guy today and uh, that, that was coming on board with Teos and said, look, if you're in a, a scenario where there's some pressure containment devices or something that's going on that uh, you feel like there could be some potential issue, maybe you know we're lifting something heavy with a, a, a crane strap, you need to be thinking about sequence of events. You know, make sure you have a clear path of exit. Make sure, you know, from a good housekeeping perspective, you know, things aren't obstructing your, your path out. So, you know, it's, it's being kind of, uh, it's kind of changing the, the frame of mind a little bit and the way you think and, and analyze uh, your environment. So it's all about situational uh, awareness. Yeah, and you know, that goes much further than just the work site. So I, I and, and Patrick, and I'm sure y'all do too, we, I practice this at home, yeah. right? I'm uh-huh. like, like, we went and had lunch today. When we sat down, I knew where the door was to get out just in case something happened because it's so ingrained in my nature. Yep. Um, it's actually one of the things I love about this industry. It's um, You can tell people work in oil and gas just by how they pay attention uh-huh. to what's going on. <laughs> You get to the point where it becomes a, a subconscious effort. You just notice that something's off. Why is that yeah. fire extinguisher behind that? You know, that just that get it out. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Something, something's not right in this room, or I, I don't know what I need to do. It, something has to get fixed. I probably shouldn't put this cabinet in the fire exit lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we've, that's the other thing, too, is we notice when other people don't do it right. right? It's like, what the heck is that cabinet doing? In the, yeah. yeah. You're the post office and you see that the back door that's designed for a fire exit is actually a place where they're storing all of their extra cardboard so it's a perfect flammable <laughs> obstruction to yeah. the way out <laughs> but if you're not in this industry it's not beat into you every day to the point where it becomes second nature you also just become blind to it even even in our industry you can have hazard hunts and find all kinds of things that need to get fixed but yes. in your work area sometimes you become blind to them so you need yeah. to either stop yourself and, and have a look or bring somebody else into your work site. It's like, hey, just, just have a, have a once over my work site and let me know what, what I need to do. We have a toolbox kind of safety meeting every morning uh, to kick the morning off in, in, our, uh, in, in the company. And uh, really the focus there is not so much to talk about the test or the thing that has been rolling over and over you know, from one day to the next, but it's, you know, what's new out there? What do we need to be aware of? Uh, are there hazards that, uh, you know, potential visitors to Tejas need to be aware of if our buildings kind of laid out a little backwards sometimes it feels like uh, people trying to come in the back door as opposed to the, the actual front just because of the way the buildings laid out so sometimes you have visitors um, meandering around walking through the parking lot and these potentially you know some areas that they need to be aware of so everybody here and that's another thing I, I mentioned to new hires I'm like this is an issue and if you see somebody who looks like they're just a little bit confused here, immediately go and address them because there are some hazards out here. And of course, they're all contained, but we certainly don't want people walking through the lab door, you know, and or walking into any areas where there may be some pressure containment going on. So I can attest to that because we parked in the back <laughs> yes, of the building. We did. Yes, we right when you come in and a guy was right there to help us. You know, we asked him where 
he told us where the front was and he also suggested yeah you just probably drive around there don't walk and yeah that's good yeah that's yeah. a credit to your culture you're right patrick so that what you actually just described happened to patrick and i we parked <laughs> in, we parked in the wrong part of the building we got out one of your young employees noticed that we didn't look like we knew what we were doing. So he came up and says, hey, this is where you go in. This is where I suggest you go park. So it's not just a process you'll have written down. This young guy believed in it because he actually just did it. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also because of great coaching by Robert and I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. And take that one. So we've increased our security this week, and Mark's actually going to go into our brand-new bunker, just like they have here at Tejas, to get our Red Wing offshore bag. The encrypted message is starting to come through. Uh, internal HPC Cloud decrypted AES 256-bit protocol. And it looks like our winner is Warren Bruins with Schneider Electric. Congratulations, Warren. You're going to love this awesome Red Wing offshore bag. So if you'd like to win your own Red Wing offshore bag, and, and Patrick, this is a cool bag, isn't it? It's a very cool bag. i got one of my own. Yep. <laughs> it's um, there in high demand. People are offering us cash, and we're not giving away for cash. At least not yet. No, we're not. I'm joking. <laughs> the only way you can win one of these is go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information, and we pull one lucky winner a week. Um, go do it. You'll be glad you did. If you forget the, webs uh, the website that Mark just mentioned, you go to our show notes, click on the giant picture of the bag that we have in there, and it'll take you right to it as well. So, Robert Sebastian, do you know we have a LinkedIn group? No. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so, we have a LinkedIn group. It's called um, Oil & Gas Global Network. It's a companion of this podcast and all of our podcasts. Everything new that's coming out will be announced there first. Nice. So, if you want to know, because Patrick and I actually have some live uh, HSE events that we're going to do that are very exclusive. If you'd like to be the first to notify, go join our LinkedIn group. It's the family for the podcast. Yeah, it's, and it's not just the podcast. It's an oil and gas community where you can talk about safety issues, sales issues, operational issues. It's a place to really connect with the other people in the industry. Yeah, and it's, it's because it's um, all of our listeners that are out there, they're very helpful. So if you need some help with some sales copy, if you want to be introduced to a certain company, if you want some onboard training metrics or whatever, our audience will be happy to give it to you. So take a few minutes, go join. You'll be glad you did. Then, if you've listened to the show, Patrick and I are desperate for reviews. Well, Patrick and I are both desperate for other things, too, but <laughs> right now it's just reviews. So please, please, please. We were please. chugging along for a while there. It's kind of stalled out. We're getting, getting a few every week. Yeah, please, people, please help us. It takes just a couple of minutes. Go to iTunes. Uh, leave us a review, preferably four or five stars. But you know what? If you don't like the show, you can leave us a one star. If you leave us a one star, let us know what we can change to make things better for you. And then please, if you've listened to the show, do me a favor and share it. Share it within your peer group, share it via email, share it in your social, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Robert and Sebastian, when y'all finish with this and we, and we get the show edited out to you, I want you to do a company-wide email and we'll send you the link so the whole company gets uh, to hear y'all on the show. Awesome. Yeah. And so anybody else out there that would do that, I'd be a big plus. It'd be a big favor for no, us. Don't, no, don't. <laughs> no company-wide emails unless you own the company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that would be fair. Other than that, um, so um, Robert Sebastian, I just want to thank you for being on the show. We had a great time today. It was great to actually kind of see behind the scenes. When people think of engineering and testing, um, they don't naturally think about how strong a safety culture you have to have to do that right. But y'all got it right. I mean, this y'all are doing everything good, and this place is amazing. And we appreciate your time on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I've, thank you very much. Yeah, and so people want to learn more about Tejas. Where should they go? Tejasre.com. That's T-E-J-A-S-R-E. Com. If yeah. anybody had seventh grade social studies in Texas, they know how to spell Texas. We all had our Texas history class. Right? Absolutely. Sometimes it's yeah. tough. I try to always overpronounce the J, but mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, people, so you don't have to be writing stuff down. Absolutely. What about if they want to connect with you individually? LinkedIn, is that the best place? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yep. All right. We're yeah. very accessible also from our website. We have live interactive chats. So if you go there and you need a question about engineering support or testing support, you can go to our website, log in, and you'll have access to our staff in real time. It may be a minute or two before they can a- answer, but we're getting paged in real time to let let us know there's a client or a customer that needs to talk with us. And that's a great resource. If you need some quick, free engineering advice, you know, hop on there and ask some questions. Yeah. Or, if, or if you want to see if they can help you with whatever your testing is, they can tell you right away instead of having to have some salesperson call on you. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So on Fridays, when I start with a couple of glasses of wine and some pizza, can I, if I get lonely, can I just reach out <laughs> on the, on the start, start a conversation? Yeah. When we first launched the program, we had a lot of employees logging in and uh, trying to buy a million safety valves. <laughs> Good stuff. So what's cool about this is y'all take your work seriously, but you don't mind having a little fun with it either. Yeah, do you? absolutely. I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. So uh, Patrick, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it, Mark. All right, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston, to London, to Dubai, and beyond. I unloaded a 12,000-pound fixture from a box truck on a pallet that had been taco-shelled around it by the loading straps. So it was rocking in the bed with no other tie down. So, it, you know, if, if the driver had gone too hard, we would have had a 12,000 pounds of steel just blowing through the side of this truck. We had to then take it out. So we have a forklift with no working pallet on a, on, <laughs> which is fundamentally a round object, a cylinder, right? So uh, it, it was, it was hairy.